Clovercrest Media Group presents Sports Talk with R and J. Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm your host, Steve Risser, along with my co-host, Justin D'Onofrio. And first, before we get going, before we get into everything today, I want to wish Justin happy 22nd birthday. Thank you, Steve. So, uh, so would you do anything for you going to do anything tonight for your birthday? Or? Nah, I got to work. Got to work, got to work, got to yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. Without dinner last night. That's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. That's good. And also, before we get going, I want to uh, thank uh, Joe Aguirre for allowing us to join uh, Clovercrest Media Group. We are now officially a part of the family. We're very, very happy to be a part of the family. The show has been going on for three years. I've had, I started this show with Mike Bernetti. And then, obviously, with, with Kyle and Justin, and now me and Justin have the show. And I'm really, really excited to be a part of Clovercrest Media Group. I think they're doing some great things. Joe Aguirre does an outstanding job. And we, want to th- and we signed on last Tuesday. We definitely want to thank Joe Aguirre for allowing us to be a part of this. Yes, definitely. Thank you, Joe. And thank you for the opportunity to help grow our show, make it even better. Absolutely. We're going to be on iTunes. We're going to be, we're going to be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. So we're going to be all over the place. We've got a Twitter page now too, Sports Talk with RNJ. So uh, be, be listening. I mean, we're all over the place now. We're really excited to be, to be on all these different platforms. Yeah, it's very exciting right now for the show and hopefully we take off. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So as we'll get into, we start our show today and we, we're going to begin with the NFL Combine and 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 and, I th- and this was an interesting week, but I think the big story about this combine is the is the quarterbacks. And and yes, you know Simmons ran a four three nine, uh, Henry Ruggs, Ruggs ran a four two seven. But I think the biggest story, and that was the biggest storyline, was the was the quarterbacks. And we all know Joe Burrow's going number one overall. That's pretty obvious. We all know Tua is going to be the second quarterback taken in this draft. The the interesting part is who is going to be the third quarterback taken in this draft? You saw McShay. You saw uh, McShay and Kuyper make a bet where they think that uh, McShay thinks Jordan Love from Utah State is going to be the uh, the third quarterback taken. Uh, Mel Kuyper thinks it's Justin Herbert. Now there there are positives and negatives of both. I'll start with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has got the size. He's got the arm. He's six four. I think he makes pretty good decisions. He's mobile. You would think he should clearly be the third quarterback taking this draft. I think the issue a lot of people have heard is he's kind of an introvert. He, these leadership skills are in question. And in the NFL, if you are the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise, you kind of have to be that alpha male. You have to be that leader. And I've heard, and from reports, from what guys like Tom McShay have said, that he is not a, he is not a born leader. And that could potentially turn into an issue, especially when you're leading an NFL franchise. And that's why he thinks Jordan Love is going to be no, it's, it's Jordan Love, right? Oh, yep. Do you think Jordan Love is going to be the number three, third quarterback taken in, in this draft from Utah State? And, he had, and Jordan Love had a very good year in 2018. 2019 was rough for him. He led the let, let, he led he led the nation in interceptions. Yeah, this year I believe he, so. He led the country he in right interceptions. Lost a ton of players though around him. And yeah. a team like Utah State doesn't reload. But him too. He's got the size. He's very mobile. He's got a got a pretty good arm as well. So it's going to be interesting. That's going to, that's going to be the interesting one. We know Burrow. We know two are going to Burrow's going to be the first quarterback taken. We know either the Dolphins or the Chargers are going to draft Tua. Who that third quarterback taken is going to be is going to be is going to be what is going to be interesting about this draft. That's that's the going to be interest the interesting part of it. Yeah, it is because yeah, Burrow unquestionably will be one, two, up two, and yeah, third. You know, one of the other things about Herbert is what I've heard and then I kind of saw it too is sometimes when he he's got a couple of different arm angles sometimes when he throws a football and that's probably not the best thing either it's probably it's best at one angle or one arm action that you have when you get rid of that football 
that was another, um, you know, I don't know if hopefully he's kind of hopefully fixed that. But, yes, you do also need to be a leader as a starting NFL quarterback because if players don't respect you as a starting quarterback and you're not able to lead, it's, it's not the best thing in the world. And then for Jordan Love, too, I think with the combination, yeah, they lost a lot of starters last year. They also brought in a new coach this past season. And it was a whole different new scheme, and I think I don't know if he just didn't grasp it or he just struggled to um, get down the concepts and all that. I don't really know, and he did have a rough year because I thought maybe he was gonna, um, yeah, I think maybe because he was only junior, so he could have came back, I believe. So it's probably maybe he didn't come back, but um, you know he he's ready. I, I you know if he gets in the right fit. I think he can be a really, really good quarterback. It's just a matter of, you know, what offense he's been able to run. And one other small thing that happened right before the bowl game is he did get in trouble on a drug charge. I don't I haven't heard much about it since. He did play in the bowl game, so I don't really know what's going on with that. I haven't heard much from that, so I don't know if that's been dropped or I haven't heard. That could be an interesting small little piece that, you know, could maybe affect his draft. But um you know, I, I think Herbert probably is going to go sixth over Jordan Love. But it is interesting to see, you know, it is interesting to kind of see Jordan Love sixth when, you know, I know a couple of weeks ago people had him kind of late first round um, pick, but now the sixth. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you look at Todd McShay's mock draft. He does mock draft, he does mock draft 3.0 yesterday, and he's got him going number six of the Chargers. He's got Jordan Love going there. And the funny thing is, yeah, you've obviously seen more of Jordan Love than I have. The funny thing about Jordan Love is I heard a little bit about him before the season, but you really never heard of him during the season. And I, and I, I think I texted you during Bowl Week and, and s- uh, saw if he could be maybe a first-round pick, and you thought he potentially could, and now you're hearing a lot of Jordan Love. And you're even hearing, I mean – you're hearing some comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. Now, is he going to be Patrick Mahomes? No, but you're hearing some comparisons to him, just just the way his mobility is, his arm strength. Uh, uh, and uh, you remember Patrick Mahomes uh, three mm. years ago, he wasn't highly touted that, that year in college. A lot of people, while well, they were talking about Deshaun Watson and even Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. But, but Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs traded up to get him, and you look at what he's turned out to now. So, yeah, I mean, Jordan Love, yeah, he played on a really bad team at Utah State this year. But we'll, we'll end up seeing what happens there. It's going to be really interesting to see who that quarterback is because really for a while it was, it was Tua, Burrow, and Herbert. Now it's Tua and Herbert are kind of on their own class. And Burrow are kind of on their, in their yeah. own class. And now Herbert and Jordan Love are in the other tier. So it's going to be really interesting to see what ends up happening there. But other things happened at the combine. Uh, Chase Young did not work out this week. And I think he's going to be the – if the Redskins are smart, he's the number two overall pick. Now, there are rumors out there the Redskins might take Tua with that number two pick. I think if they do that, it's kind of a mess having him and Haskins on the same mm-hmm. team. I think you need a player like 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 uh, like Chase Young that can help that can help you this year. I, I think that if the Redskins are smart, they take Chase Young. Is there any? There, obviously, this is there's probably very little impact to his draft status, but is there any impact that? Chase Young not working out could have to his draft draft stock. I don't I don't think there should because we saw what he was able to do on the field. He loved the country in sacks. Um, well, his arm his arms too are like thirty three three quarters something like that. Like he's got some long arms. His his hand technique too getting by guys is so great. Just watching him, 
I don't think there should be because he didn't work out. You know, I think we saw everything that we need to see on the field the past few years from Chase Young. And if the Washington Redskins – and why wouldn't they go with this kind of like 49ers mode of what they just say, kind of just build that defensive line and just kind of get pieces around it. And we just saw, you know, a 214-Niners team go on to – to the Super Bowl. A 4-12 and 12 Niners four team. And let's, let's be at that 4-12 that and 12 Niners team would have been better if Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. played the year before. So, yeah, saying they went from 4-12 and 12 to the Super Bowl is a little bit of an exaggeration because they would have been a better team yeah, if Garoppolo was healthy. They would have been like an 8-8 eight eight or a 9-7 and seven team. But and your point is, well, good about the Redskins' defensive line because they have some pretty good defensive linemen with Ryan Kerrigan, with Jonathan Allen, with Deron Payne, with Matt Ioannidis. So they have a good – that was the strength of their defense mm-hmm. last year, that defensive line. They and everybody got on the 49ers for years for saying, "Oh, you keep drafting defensive linemen, keep drafting defensive linemen." It, works, it worked yeah. out. Look, look at what, yeah. look at how good they were this year. So if the Redskins could do that, I think if they're if there's, I, I would, I would, I will rip the Redskins if they don't take Chase Young. No, they, I, they need yeah. to take Chase Young with the number two pitch. Yeah, because then yeah. what? Then you probably have to trade away Haskins unless you just waste him too. Like Rosen's getting wasted down in Miami right now. Like, you're not playing him. It just, it just seems it. It wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers actually make that move. It just because it seems like a 49er thing to do. I mean, a Redskin thing to do. They should take Chase Young, though. I and I love to. I think Tua's going to be a great player if he can stay healthy. I just think Haskins to be that guy, especially because he already has a relationship with one of the wide receivers, Terry McLaurin, who's you know he already kind of had that chemistry down. I kind of like. I think Haskins would be a good quarterback in this league. You know, I just think. He just needed more time to develop and all that. Just didn't need to be thrown into the fire like he kind of happened. Absolutely, and he played some good games last yeah. year. Had that really good game against the against the Eagles in week four and uh, week uh, fifteen. Had a really good game against the Giants in week sixteen. In the month of December, Haskins, start, Haskins mm-hmm. started to play really well. And then you look at this team: Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, uh, Chase Young, all Ohio State guys yeah. trying to rebuild this franchise. I think, and I know I've been repeating myself today: the Redskins have to take Chase Young yeah. at number two. They have that's the second best player I think on the board right now. He could, you know, and he could even be right there. He, him and Burrow, I think, are neck and neck. You know, once one, two, I think, because of how how Chase Young can change a game with how you have to scheme for him. I don't, you know, I was because he's just so tough to uh, single take on a single block. He's just he gets by pretty much every time. You, you again, I don't, you know, I think he'll be able to do it where he. Can, you know, where you're gonna have to double team this guy in, in the NFL, and he just he could be a game wrecker, and I I think he changes the defense, especially with that D line already. They they already have pieces. It just adds to it. It makes that D line even better for that pass rush to help out kind of the secondary because I know that was not great for the Redskins last year. It, it helped the defense uh, dramatically to get another another piece like Chase Young. Absolutely, absolutely. We go to another defensive player, and that's Isaiah Simmons, who ran a four three nine at the combine. This guy is so versatile; he could play safety, he could play line, he could play linebacker. This guy's so versatile. I think he's going to play linebacker in the NFL, though, and I think he, he could do everything. He could tackle, he could cover. He is perfect for today's NFL, especially as a linebacker. Perfect for, for today's NFL. And if you look at the draft, you, you probably will be Burrow one to the Bengals, two Chase Young to the Redskins. At three, I think potentially the Chargers or the. Uh, the Chargers or the Dolphins are going to trade up to get Tua, so that could put the Giants in the number four spot. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you something, Dave Gettleman. If you take an offensive tackle over Jeffrey Akuda, over Akuda or him, that is a terrible move. If he's on the board at four, you have to take yeah. Isaiah Timmons. I do not want to see the Giants take one of these tackles over <laughs> Isaiah Simmons. I will be 
so mad if they take one of these tackles over Isaiah Simmons. If Dave Gettleman does that, that is a terrible, terrible move. you got to take the sure thing. If he's there at four, the Giants must take Isaiah Simmons. When was the last time the Giants have had a good linebacker? Since Antonio Pierce. They need to take Isaiah Simmons at number four. No question about it. No doubt about it. They need to take Isaiah Simmons if he's there. You have to. You know, he he was probably top ten, but now he's like he's jumped to the top five. He's with the week he had, and you don't you don't see too many players come out that could play linebacker, cornerback, and safety like this. You don't really see that they could play anywhere defensively on the field. And this guy's this guy's good. And I think with how good Chase Young was in college level, that he kind of went under the radar a little bit. Not too many, you know, like he was talked about, but he wasn't talked about for you know like he wasn't talking about as much as Chase Young because I think he's the second I think he's you know I don't know if I you know I think he's probably the second best player in this draft second best defensive player in this draft he's he's a great defensive player for Clemson he anchored that Clemson defense this year um and he's a guy that's kind of gone on the radar and I I, Giants, I think the Giants have to take him they, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't because the Giants you know it's Oh, Johnny, if if, if Dillman goes for a hog, Molly, I am going to be so <laughs> upset. I mean, if they, and I guarantee you they'll take one of those three tackles at number four. I guarantee you they're going to do that. <laughs> and you don't know how good those tacklers yeah. are going to be, number one. And number two, offensive line play. I don't care what the keys bros say. <laughs> offensive line play is down in the NFL. This team needs a playmaker on defense. They don't need yeah. another tackle with upside. They need a proven playmaker on defense. And Jeffrey Okuda or, or Isaiah Simmons would be one of those two, one of those guys. Not one of these offensive tackles that is hit or miss. They need a playmaker on defense. That's why if one of those two guys, if both those guys are available, they got to take one of those guys. And if one of them's taken off the board, they have to take either Okuda or Simmons. They need a playmaker on defense, not another tackle with upside. This is the NFL in 2020, not the NFL in 2007. They need a defensive playmaker because that's what this team is lacking. You still need a line, though. But I, I, I get that, dude, you, but the, at the interior of the line is fine, and we got a mobile quarterback. Yeah. We need a playmaker on you defense. You, you do. You need a Simmons. I, you, you need the Isaiah Simmons on defense. He'll, he'll change that defense, you know, from the beginning. I feel like, I feel like he, could, he can do that, yeah, because what Pierce is – what two thousand? When you guys he we released him in two thousand nine. Right, so yeah, so ten years. You guys do need a you know you guys need a linebacker, and Isaiah got Isaiah Simmons is that guy you need. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll talk about some of the. We'll talk about the last thing we'll talk about is the wide receivers at the combine. A lot of them ran uh, like four fours and under, but the, but the one who stood out was Henry Ruggs running a four two seven. Todd McShay has him going to the Broncos at at uh, I think fifteen going going to the Broncos at fifteen. This is such a deep wide receiver class, mm. though. I mean, so you you can get one in the first round, the, early in the second round. But Henry Ruggs really was the one wide receiver that stood out with his four two combine was with with his forty yard dash of the combine. Even though John Ross ran ran really did a, had a great combine too, and it really hasn't panned out. So, but Henry Ruggs this, was the standout wide receiver at the combine. Yeah, Henry. Yeah, guy, he's got so much speed, and if he does fall to the Broncos. With Drew Luck's arm, uh, Drew Locke's arm, that would be fun to watch him. Maybe run, you know, run some deep routes. He's not, you know, he's kind of like John. He's five eleven, so he's kind of undersized. But you know, for wide, you know, you don't, you know, one of those, of course, one of those speed wide receivers. He's just, you know, him, um, 
Judy Smith. They're just so they were just so fun to watch Alabama. Just all three of those guys, just you know, running four verticals or whatever, just running deep routes, and two or Mac Jones just hit them every time. Uh, it was, you know, I, guy, great hands, and I just I I think he's a guy that would definitely. I know John Ross hasn't panned out so far right now in the NFL, but I think Ruggs is definitely a guy that would stand out it with his speed, his quickness. I he he's got some really good hands too. I I think that's a really good pick for Denver because they don't have too much. Because Tunnelin's been good, but you pair him with Ruggs and Drew Locke, what he was able to show towards that end end of the last season. I think that's big to try to help out that offense. It really struggled for most of the year until, you know, most of the year. I know you're not going to be competitive with the Chiefs or anything, but kind of keep rebuilding that team and building them back up because I think they finally found a quarterback in Denver. Absolutely, and, and they have a pretty good defense as well. Mm. Yeah, they do with um, Bradley and um, – And Chubb didn't play Chubb, for most yeah. of the year too. Yeah, he didn't. That would – um that. that that would help out with Von and because him and Von Miller, you know, two years ago were a really nice combo, and really helped that defense. And kept that defense in a lot of the games that um, a couple years ago, and I because the Denver team got better. I felt like throughout that season, I think they got more competitive from beginning to and, the end. And of they season. were a pretty competitive team. Even they had some. They they competed. Yeah. With, they competed with Minnesota on the road. They beat Houston on the road. They were close at Indy on the road. So they were competitive in a lot of a lot of road games this year too. So. And they lost. If you remember being at the beginning of the year, they lost two games on, on game-winning field goals on mm-hmm. the last drive of the game. They lost to Chicago and Jacksonville on the, la- on the last drive of the game. So Vic Fangio has the thing going in the right direction. If they take Henry uh, Henry Ruggs and to play opposite of uh, Cortland Sutton, I think that offense has potential with Philip Lindsay and their offensive line improving as well. Oh yeah, it was, Ruggs is just I he's just he's so good at route running. He's a good route runner. I feel like too. You just I, I think you get it's so yeah the wide receiver class is so deep I don't I don't think you could go too wrong with a wider you know if you either go rugs or you know um I know Chanel just got hurt so his draft side probably falls but it, he's just he's just so electrifying to watch rug it it just the thing it just you know with rugs Judy it's, it's Smith Alabama last year it's just you could not go wrong with one. Any of those three wide receivers, you just couldn't go wrong. And they're just – they're, you know, those three guys are just on a different level than most of the wide receivers in the country last year. It was just fun to watch all three of those guys go at it. But Rose would be a huge pickup for Denver. Absolutely, absolutely. And we'll obviously get more into the draft once uh, free agency ends. And we'll definitely be talking about the draft a lot in April. But now – What's going to be the big story of this month is going to be Tom Brady, and where is Tom Brady going to play next year? And that it's 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 going to be the, it's been a huge story so far, but it's going to even become a bigger story of where Brady's going to play. We saw him at the Syracuse basketball game sitting so courtside with Julian Edelman, and Julian Edelman saying he's coming back. But I'm telling you, I'm not sure if Tom Brady's coming back. And if you see what New England has right now, looking at him, it's not the best place. He does not have the best chance to win the Super Bowl playing New England. Looking at these, uh, looking at his skill guys on offense, the offensive the offensive line is shaky. If you look at the skill guys, the best skill guy is Julian Edelman. That's been banged up over the last couple of years. You got Philip Dorsett, you got Mohamed Sanu, 
Yeah, it's this is not a team that is and and uh, Nikhil Harry. So this is these skill guys are not good skill guys at all. Yes, they have a great, they have a really good defense, top top, uh, they were top two with the 49ers defensively last year. But the skill guys on offense is this is not uh, this is not going to swing Brady to resign. It should it should not swing Brady to resign with this team. I mean, I think that the Patriots are not the number one option. You know who I think the number one option is, and that's the Tennessee Titans. Mm. If you look at the, if they've signed Derrick Henry, which I think there's a very there's a there's a very good chance they're going to obviously resign Derrick Henry because he was their best player on offense last year. They got AJ Brown. They got a, they got a, they have a pretty good offensive line, even though they're going to lose Jack Conlon in free agency because they're not going to pay. Mm-hmm. If they get Brady, they're not going to pay Brady, uh, Henry, and yeah. Conlon. That's that's just unrealistic. Seeing the money that Conlon's going to want, going to want. So I mean, I think that Tennessee is the best option because I think I think he knows Mike Vrabel. He's he's Vrabel's a Vrabel and him. Uh, they they get along, and I think in a way. Right now, I think Brady would rather play for Mike Rabel than play for Bill Belichick because Belichick's regimented way is starting to wear down on players. And I don't think Belichick's really connecting with millennials at, the, at this point. And I think Brady wants to go to a place where he's appreciated for his success. For these 20 years, for how great Brady is, he has not gotten superstar treatment. He is the one athlete in, in any professional sport that, is, for as good as he is, he does not get superstar treatment because that's not the way Bill Belichick runs his program. Very, they're very similar to the way the San Antonio Spurs run their program. So I'd say Tim Duncan's close, but I'd say Brady has not gotten the superstar treatment that he, he has deserved. And that's why I think he goes to a place like Tennessee where Mike Vrabel is going to appreciate him, where Mike Vrabel is going to let him do what he wants to do, let him kind of run the offense, let him do what he wants to do. Because I feel like Brady was very frustrated last year in New England. And I think if he goes to a place like Tennessee with A.J. Brown, with Derrick Henry, so they have a really good running game, which is going to set up play action. They got A.J. Brown. I think that's a, that, that is the best destination for Brady. Other destinations would be Indianapolis, which would be a which would be a really good fit as well. But it's just going to be very, because with with Marlon Mack, with Darius Leonard, with Quentin Nelson, that, that team has the best offensive line of any of the teams Brady could potentially join, uh, and their and their front seven's pretty good as well. And Marlon Mack's a good running back, ran for over a thousand yards last year. But if but it's just so weird to see Brady in a Colts uniform. Mm. That would that would just be really really weird. Uh, other teams would be Tampa Bay. I just don't think the scheme fits there. Bruce Arians' scheme, there's a lot of difficult throws in his offense. Brady, at, th- at, the, at this stage in his career, does not have the strongest arm. I don't think – I mean, yes, he would be he would be good, but I don't know if Arians – him and Arians' scheme would fit. Arians would have to adjust to what Brady would want to do if he brings Brady in, even though they got two really good receivers in uh, Mike Evans and, uh, and Chris Godwin. But the offensive line is a little shaky, and they don't run the ball that well. Uh, obviously, the Chargers are an option, and and, and because with the two receivers, with Mike Williams and uh, – Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and we'll see if they end up re-signing Melvin Gordon. And they have Austin Eckler as well. But the problem with with the Chargers is the offensive line is absolutely terrible. I mean, they have one of the worst. They probably Pro Football mm-hmm. Focus had them ranked 31 out of, out of 32 teams last year. Had their offensive line ranked ranked 31 out of, 31 out of 32 teams. So their offensive line is really really bad for the Chargers. That that could potentially turn out to be an issue. And then you look at the Raiders. I think I like the Raiders' weapons on offense with uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, Darren Waller. And we'll see what they end up doing in the draft, too, to rep- improve that receiving core. But Tyrell Williams is okay as well. The problem with the Raiders is the defense. And I just don't think the Raiders are, are, Tom, are a player like Tom Brady away at this stage in his career from competing for a championship. Yeah. I'll, you know, I'll start with New England because I, I don't know. I'm really, really worried about Tennessee. I just – you have to be. Have yeah, to be. You I absolutely yeah. have to be worried That's about like that. That's like the only team I'm really, really worried about at this point. I just think it's the only realistic option. I think, you know, and I, 
you know, and I hope, yeah, I, I know when they have the meetings with them, I know they're, they probably, I, I would assume the Patriots probably have a plan saying, here, we want this. We're going to get this. Would this kind of keep you here? And turns out about the, you know, when you met Belichick, I, I like, I like how he keeps everybody on the same level. Yeah. And I think it helps, you know, so that you don't get these guys at all, you know, uh, like that are like, I, I would, you know, I'll say again, Odell, you don't have those characters and, you know, that's why they got rid of Antonio Brown and all, and all that stuff. You know, they don't, they don't like any of that, um, extra stuff that behind the line, you know, that kind of come out and all that. So, you know, I, I kind of like how he keeps everybody in the same kind of level and all that. And I know that, you know, Brady does kind of deserve all that treatment, but I, I, you know, I like how they, you know, they don't treat anybody differently with any of that superstar stuff. Um, you know, Tennessee, I'm definitely scared, you know, the Titans. Because, yeah, that, that team, they had Brady. You have Henry, Brown. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the other wide receiver that they had. They drafted from Western Michigan. Two, uh, Corey, Corey Davis. Davis. Corey, yep. He's not that good, but still, as a number two, he's not mm-hmm. terrible. You know, he's not bad. He's probably better than Patriots number two guy, right, at the moment. Because uh, Sanu was probably the worst second round trade in history. Pick for a trade yeah, for a second yeah, round pick, yeah. Yeah, the, probably the worst uh, trade. You know, he, you give him Henry, the line's not bad. Um, Tampa, I don't think so. I did hear yesterday a rumor of Teddy, uh, the Buccaneers are interested in um, Teddy Bridgewater. And the, and the funny thing, we'll talk about this a little bit later. He's like the complete opposite of Jameis Winston. But we'll get to, yeah. that, we'll get to that later. All right. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he's going to go there. Indianapolis, it'd be weird to see him go over to the cold, especially the one where he got caught with the flake gate. It just, that would seem really, really weird. I don't know if he's, I don't think I see him there. Chargers, I think they want to, I think they have to go young with the quarterback. I don't think, well, unless they really don't think Herbert or Love are ready and they want to develop him for a year. And then what do you do? What, uh, Brady's not so, going to yeah, sit yeah, on the bench. It's Justin, Justin. Yeah, no, Brady's You're not, you need a direction. Yeah. You have to have one or the other. You either draft the quarterback if you're the Chargers, or you sign a Cam Newton or a Tom Brady. You yeah. need to have one direction. You can't if you're if you're signing Brady and then you're drafting a quarterback. Make, yeah, you're half weighing it. Yeah. That never works in the NFL. You cannot do that. They either have to draft their their future franchise quarterback or sign a veteran. That's what the Chargers got to do. Yeah. They can't do both. Yeah, they sh- they shouldn't. But I I I would go young. I would draft the quarterback instead of go after Brady because you know. I think they're like the Raiders. You're not Brady's not the you know Brady's not that one piece of the puzzle you're missing for a Super Bowl. So they should probably draft the quarterback. Raiders, same thing. Defense isn't great. Um, yeah, I you know I know Carr had that one kind of MVP season when they got the playoffs and he broke his leg, and they haven't really done they haven't done anything since. Um, but they're not Brady's not that one piece again with Super Bowl. I think it's just Patriots or Titans. I think so. I think those are definitely the two favorites right now. My call is definitely the Tennessee Titans. I think that's the best fit for Brady. I think he has the best chance to win another Super Bowl with the Tennessee Titans. I think he has a better chance to win the Super Bowl with the Titans than he does with the Patriots because the Titans Mm -hmm. beat the Patriots in the playoffs last year when the Patriots had Brady and the Titans had Ryan Tannehill. So I think his best chance to win a Super Bowl is to go to the Tennessee Titans. So now we'll go to another free – another – another – another free agent that got franchised yesterday, and that's A.J. Green. 
of the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals slapped the franchise tag on A.J. Green, and Joe Burrow had a lot of influence on this because he wanted, in his interviews at the Combine, he wanted A.J. Green to stay. He wanted the Bengals to keep A.J. Green there, which I like. I like mm. the fact Burrow's showing leadership. I heard Dan Orlovsky on Get Up. He really likes what, what he said about A.J. Green wanting him to be on this team, and I think that's a good weapon to have early early in your career. A.J. Green, obviously, when he's healthy, is a top 10 receiver in the game. The big question is when he's healthy. In the last yeah. four years, he's missed 29 games in the last four years. And your best and in the NFL, your best ability is availability. And A.J. Green, the last four years of the Bengals, has not been available. And the Bengals have missed the playoffs the last four years as well. When the Bengals made the playoffs five years in a row, A.J. Green only missed a total of three games. When they've missed the playoffs, the last four years, he's missed 29 games. So is A.J. Green, if you, if you want to sign A.J. Green to like, let's say like a, a, like a four-year, $75 million deal, maybe like $17, $18 million a year. Are you going to give $17, $18 million a year when your defense is absolutely terrible, your offensive line is absolutely terrible? Yeah, you have some decent skill guys on offense with Joe Mixon and, and Tyler Boyd, but are you going to give $17 million a year to a guy that's missed that is that has missed 29 games in the, in the last four years. Yes, he's probably one of the greatest players in the history of the franchise. AJ Green is a Hall of Famer, but are you really going to give all that money all that money to him when he's missed? When you need to, you need to improve your team around Joe Burrow. You know, Joe Burrow wants him, so this is why I'm 50-50 on this because I know Joe Burrow really wants him. But are you really going to give 17, 18 million a year for the next three to four years to a when Joe Burrow when you want to build around your rookie quarterback to a guy that just hasn't been able to stay healthy. A.J. Green was a great receiver in his prime, but he's, 30, he's, he's going to be 32 starting this season, and he's missed 29 games in the, last, in the last four years. So I'd be very cautious on the Bengals of giving him like a, a four-year contract worth eight, 17 to $18 million a year. Yeah, it is risky because it's, yeah, it's almost it's almost half the season really in each of those because it's about seven you know twenty nine games about you know over seventy games so you right around seven so it's almost half the season he's he's missed, um, and it, it it's risky but as we've seen when he's healthy he's great when he's you know, and just for Burrow too it helps when you when you're given a tight a wide receiver when yeah he's healthy I think it's too risky right now to give him the four years. You know, seventeen million a year. It, if he could stay healthy all this year, then you know, maybe. But being at thirty-two, too, it's how you know. It's he is he going to be the same player at the at the last few years of his of his contract at thirty-five, thirty-six? Would he would he be the same type of player? I probably not. And he can't stay on yeah, the field. That's and, the problem. Yeah, I, I think it's too risky to offer him or to give him a contract like that. Um. You know, at this stage and not being able to stay on the field, but um, for Burrow's kind of, you know, for Burrow, it's it's good to have him Boyd and and maybe maybe it's it's something he can get Ross uh, John Ross going because we saw he was great with the deep ball last year at LSU. Maybe because of how quick he is, maybe maybe he can help with the deep ball this year. But John Ross, another guy who can't stay on the yeah, field. That's and, the problem. Yeah, you, know? you take him number two, the top 10 pick. That's why you're 2-14 and because you waste a top 10 yeah. pick on him. Yeah, he wasn't top 10 worthy. I, I know his combine, the, you know, the 40-yard dash was ridiculous. But I didn't think he was like a top 10 player when he came out of the draft. It's just something Bengals made a mistake on. Um, they need him to stay healthy too. But, you know, it's not a bad re- – if they can all stay healthy and Joe Mixon got – Joe Mixon kind of the first few week few weeks he was not he didn't really do much but he kind of got on towards that end of the season 
he started to he started to run the ball really well. So they do have a decent offense. They all can kind of stay healthy, but that's the one question. And if they're not healthy, then it's kind of tough. It's it's tough to do anything with. And you kind of saw that if year your offense was pitiful most of the time, pretty much all season. It was it was pitiful. Absolutely. So we'll talk about other guys that are going to get the franchise tag if they if the, their teams don't come up with long-term contracts. And one, one's very interesting, and that's Shaq Barrett of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had a monster season last year with 19 and a half sacks. But the issue with Shaq Barrett is he did that on a contract year. The, the, the most sacks he's gotten outside of – and I know sacks aren't the most important statistic. Getting pressure is important too. But the most sacks he got in, got before prior to last year was five and a half in 2015. So, and but the Buccaneers do plan on giving this guy a long-term deal, and they plan on slapping the franchise tag with him, which which becomes very interesting because that's going to leave Jameis Winston. That's probably going to make Jameis Winston a free agent, and and, and it looks like the Buccaneers want to probably want to move on from him at quarterback. And you saw the, you were telling me about Teddy Bridgewater, who would be the absolute opposite of Jameis Winston, yeah. a guy who doesn't take chances and a guy who doesn't turn the ball over. But I don't love that fit in Bruce Arians offense, which is more of an offense with a lot of difficult throws, even though Teddy Bridgewater would have two of the top receivers with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Still, it may not be that good of a fit, uh, uh, with him being in Tampa. But I think Tampa's big priority is they really want to build this front seven with Vita Vea, with uh, Levante David, with uh, with Shaq Barrett, with Devin White. They really want to build this front seven, which was real, which was the strength, of the, by far the strength of their defense last year. Their secondary was the worst, the worst in football, but their front seven was one, of the, was one of the best in football. So they want to build this front seven with Shaq Barrett. The only risky part of Shaq Barrett is you don't know when he gets all this money what kind of player he's going to be because he had one – Great year mm-hmm. and really uh, three average to above average seasons. So you're kind of taking a little bit of a risk by paying him all that money and not paying your quarterback. But I can understand them not paying Jameis Winston with the 30 interceptions last year and maybe them going in another direction at that position. Yeah, it, 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 it is risky, but it, the way Jameis Winston played last year with you know over 30 interceptions, and I know what he had. Um, Eye surgery, or whatever. I fix his vision. I, you know, I'll see when I believe it. Yeah. Um, so I will, you know, I think they should, I think they should, should do it because, well, how bad their secondary is. They really need that front seven to get pressure on the quarterback. And I think you kind of lose a guy like that. Now, who, you know, I don't know what their plans are for the secondary or any of that. Me, you know, drafting, I don't know if they're, I would hope they, they, draft somebody in that area or if they plan on signing somebody but I think to keep that front seven where it is they were the best team in the league I against the run and somehow the worst team in the league against the pass like I, I don't think I've ever seen that combination before that's the it's a combination you never see first against the run but last against the pass it's it's weird and I think if you want to you know I know their deep Pierre wasn't great but I think some of the reason why their defense wasn't great is they were on the field so much because Jameis Winston was always turning the ball over. Um, it, you know, didn't help their defense either. But Barrett, yeah, um, he's what 27, 28, two, I believe, somewhere around there. I would probably do it. I'd probably just give him like I, I probably give it to him because I, I feel like maybe he, he came on last year and he's able to. Keep it going now. I know offense probably try to plan around them this year and all that, but um, 
I, you know, I think you got to do it. I think they keep that pass rush, that rushing defense right where it is because it, it was so good last year. And even the year before, they were top five, I believe, in the league. So they've been great the last couple of years against the run. I think in and getting pressure on the quarterback, I think you got to, I think you got to do it. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. I, I think they're, Bruce Arians wants to – that's their priority to get Shaq Barrett signed long-term, and then they're going to see what they're going to do at quarterback. Dangerous to do that in this in this year of the mm-hmm. NFL because the quarterback is so important, yeah. but they really like that front seven in Tampa, which had a really – which was really, really big for them last year. So we'll look at a couple other free agents, and we look at Yannick Ndokwe of the Jaguars, who the Jaguars are going to put the franchise tag on, but – Ndakwe does not want to sign there long term. So this is going to be very similar to D Ford to uh, D Ford and Frank Clark last year where they slapped slap, slap them with the franchise tag, but they end up trading them. And I think this is going to be the same thing with the Jaguars with Yannick Ndakwe. And, and it looks like the Jaguars are sort of in a rebuild right now. I think that, you know, a lot of players went out of there. Jalen, Jalen Ramsey did last year. They traded him to the Rams for a first-round pick. We'll see if they can get a one. I don't think they're going to get a one for yeah. Ndakwe. They'll probably end up getting a two or a three for Ndakwe. I think he's a good player, not a great player. I mean, he could help He could help a, a pass rusher with another good pass rusher there like he did when uh, Calais Campbell was there with the, uh, with the Jaguars. So it, it, I think he's – I think th- this move – I think for for Jacksonville, I think they're they're franchising him so they I think not so they could line sign him long term because their cap situation is an absolute mess. They're they're giving the franchise tag so they can end up getting value for him down the road because this Nick Foles contract yeah. is destroyed the Jaguars. They have they're they're they do not have much cap space. The the, the contract to pay Nick Foles is destroyed destroyed this team and I think that uh, I think that obviously the, the franchise tag for him is just going to be too uh, t- just a placeholder so they can get value for him in a trade and then lastly the Chiefs plan to franchise a Chris Jones if they if they don't come up with a long-term deal for him and I think they're committed to Chris Jones because of how good he is I mean you see he's good against the run you saw the pressure he got on Jimmy mm-hmm. Garoppolo in the Super Bowl he's one of the best defensive tackles in football you might might you might have to put him top three with Aaron Donald, with Fletcher Cox, and then Chris Jones. So he's a really good defensive tackle, and I think the Chiefs want to lock him up long term, which is going to be interesting because they have a bunch of guys yeah. they got to lock up long term, especially because you know Mahomes is getting forty oh, million yeah. a year. But you know the Chiefs just continue to, but they're. I think the Chiefs continue, want to make sure that they get. He's their best player on defense. They want to make sure they keep him long term. Yeah, I'll start with the guy. The guy away first. Um, Jacksonville. I think. It, yeah. I, I'm definitely you. I think they got to, you know, just please hold them and just trade them for something. Because, um, yeah, $88 million in Nick Foles, man. That is – that's brutal. And I know they want to trade him now, but you're going to have to probably pay half that, maybe more. I I don't know who would want to take on 40 – you know, Nick Foles' contract. I don't know what team would want that and would have to pay some of the chunk for that. Um it's kind of destroyed them right now. We're a team that kind of was hoping to go back, you know, turn things around after getting the AFC Championship game a couple of years ago. Um, and then with Chris Jones, they, yeah, they, you know, like they definitely have to sign him long term. Now, the thing is, it's how much more money will they have to sign him and Patrick Mahomes because, you know, they're not going to have much money to sign anybody else. I know um, Watkins is up next year. So he's probably – I would assume they're probably not going to be able to sign, re-sign him. Um, but you you got to keep going because if they don't, I – you know, 
how do you replace it? that defense? That defense definitely takes a hit, and that defense got a lot better towards the end of the season. And if that defense could continue to build off what they did at the end of the last year, that Chiefs team is really, really scary because they're not going to give up 20, 28 points, you know, 24, 28 points again. And with the way they're obviously moving the ball, they, they have to keep Chris Jones long-term. Um, he had a great year, and I, I definitely put him up there, top three, top five, at, in D tackles right now in the NFL. He had a great year, to, and was a huge part of why they won that Super Bowl, getting pressure late in that game against Jimmy Garoppolo. And people forget that pr- the pressure he got on Jimmy Garoppolo in the second quarter of that game to force an interception. That was big because that th- th- that, yeah. that, the Chiefs got a field goal off of that. So that was a, that was a big play, too, by Chris Jones. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, because that kind of turned that game or um, it kind of yeah, because that got the Chiefs going. That was because they weren't really doing much before that point. That kind of got them going a little bit until that fourth quarter where they really took off. But yeah, he did a great job getting to Jimmy G that game and uh, forcing him to make some mistakes a couple times. And even he was the one that forced that fumble too, I believe, right? So yes, yeah. Yes. So and, you know, he forced a couple turnovers. So yeah. You got to keep Chris Jones on that defensive line because that team's that team's really good. Well, that defense will be really well will be good. If they kind of keep him the way they built last year. Yeah, so they'll still be like, an, and you don't have to be. They're on a great defense. Yeah, but they're, an, they're an average defense. And, and in the NFL, with a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, today's yeah, NFL, man. that's all you need, pretty much. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you could probably give up seventeen to twenty points a yeah. game, and you're still probably going to win the game with yeah. Pat Mahomes. The old adage, defense wins championships, was proven wrong last year by Patrick Mahomes when the Niners had a 10-point lead and Mahomes came back and won that game. The adage, defense wins championships, was proven wrong last season. Yeah, yeah, I I guess I agree with you there. (laughs) That was, uh, yeah, Mahomes is just a, that guy is just a different breed. I I don't know if we'll see a quarterback like that again. The mobility, the arm, what he can do, too, on the run. Uh, Yeah, I there's just no words really to describe that Holmes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll shift over to the NBA, and we had a really interesting week as Zion and LeBron went, each other, went, out, went, went up against each other twice last week. And the first game, uh, LeBron had 40, Zion had 29, Lakers won that game. Sunday night, LeBron had a triple – it was really the two because Anthony Davis was out, so you had the two of them going up against each other. You had, uh, you had, you had LeBron getting a triple-double and Zion getting 35 points. And, and, and you saw that embrace after the game. Them, them embracing you have the second greatest player of all time against a guy who could potentially be the greatest player of all time so it was really fun to see those two guys embrace after the game and what more can you say about Zion Williamson right now the way he's been playing he, he's just unstoppable getting the basket I mean he's he's he's, uh, he's going through guys like Dwight Howard and Javel McGee guys that are like six inches taller than him, taller than him. And he's just, he's just been absolutely ridiculous for this team. He is clearly the rookie of the year. I don't care if he's played 15 games. The guy has just been absolutely phenomenal for the Pelicans. I mean, the teams, they have a winning record when he's played. And, and once he, if he, if he somehow develops a three point shot, this guy will be unstoppable. Yeah. It's, it's scary to watch. I think, you know, Brant's had a great year, but I think if the Pelicans get in the playoffs and cause you know, there's still eight games under 500. I think there's still three games out of a, um, of eighth. I believe they're still, or they're uh, yeah, they're three and a half out of the Grizzlies at the moment. So I think if they get it or they somehow get in, I think I definitely think he deserves uh, rookie of the year. But yeah, it's just 
you just can't stop him. It, because with his size, too, he can move. It, I just, I haven't, there's just, at 6'8", or 6'7", whatever he is, at 285, I just never seen a guy be able to move like that. With that size, it's, and he just takes it right to you and just, you know, I, you, he's so big, you can't really stop it. You know, imagine, you know, I, you know, imagine if he was like Giannis height, he was 6'10", 6'11", trying to stop that. It would be impossible. It, I guess he's still even impossible trying at 6'7". And as, if he can somehow get a shot, oh, yeah, he would it, it, make him five, six times better because you have to guard him now at the three-point line instead of kind of – you can kind of uh, shag off or um, shade off him a little bit and – Make him drive, but you still really can't stop him trying to on drive. It's it's pretty hard. Absolutely, and, and I mean, you you look at you know you look at the way he's played this year, just the way he's taking the ball to the hoop. It's just it's just it's just amazing. It's unstoppable. But we'll talk about the team that you look at the Western playoff, the the, the race in the West between the Grizzlies and Pelicans. You have the Spurs, Blazers, and Kings in there, but I don't think they're going to be much of a fact of a factor. I think this is going to come down to the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, John Morant and. Uh, John Morant and Zion Williamson going at it, and it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting that number eight seed. Obviously, Lakers-Pelicans will be much more fun to watch than Lakers-Grizzlies, but I got the Pelicans getting the number eight seed. Yeah, with the way the Pelicans played, I am going to take Pelicans. Don't doubt the Kings, though. They're eight and two lately, oh, so dude, they're dude, starting dude, to come dude, on. Dude, yeah, and they've had uh, uh, healed and uh, Fox healthy, right? Yeah, but Bagley's played like five games this year, so that's yeah, but, turned but, but, to a plus. But, dude, he really hasn't proven that much no, in this he, league. Yeah. But, listen, the Kings, they're not going to keep pace. They're going to no, miss the not. playoffs, okay? Yeah. Let's get over that right now. Get over your own team missing the playoffs. It's going to yeah. be Zion. It's going to be Moran yeah, looking yeah, at that yeah. number eight seed. It, 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 yeah, I have the Pelicans. And you know that's what the NBA wants, too. They would love to have Lakers-Pelicans at that 1-8 because they would make the 1-8 game. 1-8 series. You yeah, mean. the 1-8 series, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say competitive. It probably won't be competitive. You know, maybe the Pelicans gonna win a game or two, maybe in New Orleans, but you would have a one-eight series where there's two phenomenal players going at each other, and it would just because usually those one one versus eight series are never are never great. It's, oh, they're they're over and they're sweeps. They're, yeah, or they go five games max. And even if this does though, it it helps because it's Zion versus LeBron, and who doesn't want to see Zion versus LeBron? So I know that's what the NBA is hoping as well um, to have, but I think the Pelicans will get it. just the way they're playing right now. Um, it, and it's made the – and I think with Zion too, it's made everybody else around better because Ingram had 34 last week against the Lakers. Because um, now you're kind of, I wouldn't say more worried about you – know, you're more worried about Zion. It just makes guys around him better because you're more, you know – you're trying to slow down Zion and Kale because Lonzo even had 19 points. Lonzo's not a great scorer. Um, he did enough, but I, I think that Pelicans team, but that Pelicans team, if they could stay healthy for years to come, they could be. You know, they're going to be a threat in the Western Conference. Oh yeah, I mean you look at the you look at the, you look at this team. I mean Zion yeah. could be one of the in two years could be a top five player in mm-hmm. this game. You have obviously Brandon Ingram, who's a good number two option. I mean. Drew Holiday's okay as well. So, I mean, yeah, the Pelicans are going to be – and then Lonzo Ball, I mean, yes, he can't score, but he's he can distribute. Yep. So, the, I mean, they got, they got young talent. They really – I think they're going to be – they'll obviously with Zion be a perennial playoff team, and I think 
in in, a, in not this year, but not next year, but the year after, I think they're going to be a title contender for the next ten to fifteen years. Oh yeah, if they can keep that core guys around them all. Oh yeah, this you know that that trade getting away of Anthony Davis would you know I don't would uh, really escalate their uh, their level. Of, you know, I know you got rid of Anthony Davis as a top five, top ten NBA player, but you know you you may get out of it a bunch of title content. You know bunch of years where your team's going to be competing for uh, rings, you and, know, for the next five, six, you know, for a while. And this is a trade that could very easily help both teams because, yeah. you know, it gives the Pelicans young talent around Zion with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, and then it gives LeBron another top 10 player around him t- to win another championship. So I think this trade could work for both teams. Yeah, it seems like so far, you know, it's been able to. Now it's only in year one of the trade. You know, we'll see if Le- you know, LeBron and AD could bring a bring back to LA and for the Pelican, just cause the first time, you know, in a while where they've, you know, they're kind of, you know, this is the first time I could, well, you know, I know they're year or two down the line for probably being a title contender, but I don't, you know, it, it's been a while the price that they had Chris Paul there that they've, you know, I, even when they had Chris Paul, they weren't really title contenders. I wouldn't say I think they had a couple good years, but I, you know, um, the, never got yeah, the they, were, they were the New Orleans Hornets. Yeah, because the yeah, problem the Hornets, with when yeah. they had Chris Paul there was the, really David West was their best player. Yeah. Chris Paul was great. He's probably the best player of our generation, one of the best players of our generation not to have a championship. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been – Chris Paul's had a great career. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. But the best, second best player was David West. That was a big yeah. reason why they didn't win anything. Yeah, and that, you know, that's a problem now in today's NBA because it seems like everyone's kind of got that – you know, you need that second superstar to win you a title. It seems like nowadays – and he didn't really have that back then. It's, I am, um, but yeah, this Pelican team down the line, they can stay healthy. They keep the core. It's gonna be a really, really good, good team for years to come. Yeah. So now talking about uh, Anthony, we talked about Anthony Davis's former team. Now talking about his current team, who is the best team, who is the best record in the Western Conference. But the question is, are they the best team in the Western Conference? Because Sunday they play the Clippers, and the Clippers have beaten them twice already this season. And we don't know if Davis is going to play in that game Sunday, but the, obviously the way LeBron's played, he's been really good. He's been he's had a he's had a great year for, for the Lakers. But it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens when those two teams meet up on Sunday. I mean, you, you look you look at the Clippers. Yes, they really haven't had a full team all year. A lot of guys have been resting uh, all season. The Clippers, I feel like are the best team in the Western Conference. I'm going to tell you why, because I think the Clippers are playing for the postseason and they're playing for the championship, while the Lakers are trying to get home court advantage. They're really not load managing LeBron. LeBron and AD have I – mean, AD's missed more games than LeBron, but LeBron's pretty much played almost every game this year. Uh, AD has played a, a, a good majority of the season as well. I, and I think with the, the, the difference between the Lakers is, yes, AD is a better number two than Paul George. I mean, and, and, and you could argue this year LeBron's been better than Kawhi. But – when you go down the list of players, uh, four, three, four, five, and six, like, uh, but still, like, then, but like, so for like, you see, look at the Clippers. They got Lou Williams. They got Montrez Harrell. They now got Marcus Morris. So you could look at all three of those three of those players, and they're probably better than the Lakers' third best player. Mm-hmm. Who is the Lakers' third best player? It's, 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 it's yeah. you can't answer that question. Yeah. You cannot answer the question with who the Lakers' third best player is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's, it's obviously, I think it's Kyle Kuzma, but he hasn't had, he's been playing a little bit better lately, but he hasn't had as good of a year. Uh, You look at, uh, you look at uh, Danny Green, he is what he is. Uh, Dwight Howard's way past his prime. Jagel 
JaVale yes. McGee is what he is. So, I mean, that's what I think going to be the difference is the depth of the Clippers and the coaching of the Clippers. I'll take Doc Rivers over Frank Vogel. And that's why I th- – and, and it's very close between Kawhi and LeBron, who is a better player right now. So that, But that is why the depth and the coaching is why I take the Clippers over the Lakers in the Western Conference. Yeah, I like the Clippers too, yeah, because the, the, they, they have more youth. You know, the Lakers, it kind of, you know, like Avery Brad, like they have Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, like and McGee. Like they just signed a bunch of one-year kind of veteran guys when the Clippers have guys like Harold, what you're saying. I know Lou Williams is up there with age, but, you know, he could still give you he's 25. Still, he, could still, he still is a professional oh, yeah. scorer. Oh, yeah, and I and – the Lakers don't really have that. Bradley really doesn't do that anymore. Rondo, of course, never does that. You know, Rondo's, you know, Rondo was never really the biggest scorer in the world, but not, you know, not now. McGee, you're not getting much out of. Yeah, that, you know, the Clippers have more youth. I love Doc Rivers. I think one of the best coaches in the NBA. Frankville, you know, Frankville hasn't done a lot yet. Um, the only thing I worry about that if they do play in the series that LeBron, you know, now what what unfortunately happened to Kobe and all the and all that, you know, you got kinda get that you know, you're you're gonna get LeBron's best and you're gonna probably gonna get Vince's LeBron in the playoffs. Even though he has played a ton, so you kinda worry at his age, does the workload start to come at him, you know, because now, you know, we're right around where there's only about a month left in the regular season. You know, but and they're already up five and a half games, do they end up kind of Pulling back a little bit on on his minutes and all that, we'll have to see. Cause you know, probably pretty close to you know, clinching a playoff spot and all that, and you're already five and a half up. But I think they do need to beat the Clippers once in these final two meetings. They you know, it's not great you get swept, but I think Sunday is a big one. Um, you know, for the you know, for the Lakers, but. They actually have a tough week with the Sixers. You got the Sixers at home this week. Uh, the and Sixers the Bucks. don't have Embiid or uh, Simmons playing. Come on. Oh yeah, actually, yeah, I and forgot. We're gonna, and we're going to talk about the Bucks okay. a little bit later. Yeah. All right, and I forgot. I did forget. Um, I did hear that Embiid's out, so you should be given by that one. The Bucks should be a good one, but um, you know, so I guess yeah. Well, one obstacle you get, you know, get through, but it should be a good one Sunday. And I think yeah, the Clippers are, uh, yeah, a little bit better than the Lakers because what they have you youth-wise and coaching. Absolutely, absolutely. And now now we come to the question of who the MVP is in, in the league at this point. And it's it's I think it comes down to two guys. It comes down to Giannis and, Le- and LeBron. I mean, LeBron has had a really, really good – not saying LeBron wasn't great last year. Mm-hmm. He's had a really, really good comeback season. He's averaging 25 a game. He's averaging, I think, over over 10 assists. He's averaging a double-double. Both are averaging a double-double, Giannis and LeBron. Both both of them right now are averaging a double-double. They both have their teams as the number one seeds in, in their respective conferences. So it's very close between the two. But if I had to pick an MVP right now for the second straight and for the second straight year, I'm going to take Giannis. And listen, as the Keys bros know, as Brian Forrester knows, last year I made a statement that Giannis wasn't a top-five player in the NBA during the playoffs. And I will admit, to everybody, I was <laughs> wrong about that. Because right now, I think Giannis very easily is the – you could very easily say you could, that Giannis is the best player in the game. And I think right now he is the MVP, and I'm going to tell you why. This is the best. He's, he's shooting over 30% from three-point range. The best in his career he has shot from three-point range. I think he, defensively he is outstanding. I think, you know – 
being six eleven, he is he's pretty much unguardable uh, going mm-hmm. to the basket. I think he's and look at look and look at the record of the team. Fifty two and nine. He's got the best record in the league. He's averaging twenty nine points a game, four more points than LeBron per game. And you look at his second super second sec, number two player. LeBron has Anthony Davis. Uh, Giannis has Chris Middleton. So. I, and then you look at when LeBron didn't have AD last year. Yes, he had in, there were injuries with the Lakers. I get it, but the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Le, Giannis, when he had this same kind of team around him last year, was the MVP, and he has improved this year. So, for me, my MVP, even though LeBron is having a great year, my MVP is Giannis because of the, he's like, he's been he's been scoring. I think it really pretty much just comes down to scoring for me because I think defensively, you know, making guys better around them. They're both doing as good of a job, but I think it just comes down to scoring for me. And, and, and Giannis has won more games. That's why that's the determinate. That's why I think Giannis should be the MVP right now over LeBron. Yeah. I have Giannis who, you know, uh, almost three, he's averaging 29 and a half points per game, almost 14 boards a game, six eleven, And yeah. And I know we talked about last year, you know, would he be able to improve his theory? And it seems like, you know, he has been able to prove that. He has improved that this year. Because, um, you know, as we see, you know, Ben Simmons hasn't been able to do that. We've seen a couple of guys that that's something they need to work on their game. They really haven't been able to do it. And Giannis has done it. And, you know, they're 52-9, best record in the league. And so far, and then, you know, already clinched a spot. They're, they're pretty much almost clinched, though, you know. They're already they're nine and a half games up on the Raptors, so you know they're obviously gonna get the one seed. Probably clinch that very very soon for the next couple of games. Um, it's yeah, just being six eleven. It's just I just it's kind of you know like I don't know if we'll ever see a guy at six foot eleven be able to do what he can do. Um, it's it's incredible to be able to watch him watch him play, and he should be able to you know he should win the MVP. Can he take that next step now in the playoffs? You know, now he has no Kawhi in his in his uh, in his conference. So, you know, he's um, obviously now the best player in the East. There's no debate. He is, you know, he's the best player in the Eastern oh, Conference right oh, now. Obviously, so, you yeah. know, obviously, because last wait, you know, last yeah. year we had the debate between Kawhi and uh, Gian- and uh, yeah. Giannis. I took Kawhi, but yeah, no, there's obviously there's no debate. Yeah, this yeah. Year. so yeah, so there's nobody you know on on the level that Giannis is. So he should be able to take this team, you know. To the, to the uh, NBA Finals, and uh, he's having a great year so far. And, you know, I, I got a team for MVP. I know LeBron's having a great year. And, yeah, you know, they I want to say he showed a lot here, but, you know, with the injury, I think he was banged up all year. I think he was just na- had nagging injuries all of last year. You know, it wasn't his greatest season, but he's played well, of course, so far. Um, I think – um. I think he is averaging 10 assists. I think he's with 10 and a half assists he is averaging. Um, but I, I got to take Giannis right now because I, I think right now he's the best player in the NBA, and I, you know, I've been taking for MVP. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. And so, uh, but we'll stick with Giannis. And, and there were some interesting comments that uh, James Harden uh, and, and, his, uh, and he leads the pretend – the biggest pretender in the NBA, the yeah, Houston yeah. Rockets, uh, made comments about Le- uh, Giannis saying, 
if I was seven foot tall, it would be so easy. It takes no skill, which is completely ignorant of James Harden to say that. I mean, how ignorant can you be to criticize probably the best player in, in the game of basketball? You're never going to be. Uh, yes, he's, James Harden's the best scorer in the league. You'll never be the player that Giannis is. You have no business criticizing him. Your team got out-rebounded. Like 31, like 31 to, the Knicks. to the Knicks, to the Knicks, okay? You have no business at all criticizing Giannis. James Harden is completely in the wrong here. It's completely ignorant to criticize. Oh, if I was seven foot tall, that that takes no skill at all. Dude, Giannis is one of the best players in the game. Get over it. Your team doesn't have a seven footer, and that is a big reason why you'll probably, you very easily could be one and done in the playoffs because you don't have a big man. So stop talking about Giannis. Worry about your own team who just lost to the Knicks last night. Completely ignorant comments by James Harden, who I think is just jealous of the attention Giannis is getting. And we all know Giannis is clearly, without debate, a better player than James Harden. Yeah, you know, one question. Do you think James Harden would play defense if he was seven feet tall? <laughs> Probably not, because yeah. we know James Harden doesn't play any yeah. kind of defense. Even though he's an outstanding scorer, yeah. he plays no defense. No, he does not. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't understand when NBA guys take shots like this. Like, you know. Now, of course, I don't know if they play again this year. Uh, let's see. I don't think they are. They play at the end of the month. In uh, Milwaukee, so that you know, does that it would really be matter? Because the, no, I mean, I mean, but... they're not seeing them in the finals. So does no. it really matter? No, I know it doesn't. But, to be in you know, to see, but you know, I and I, I just don't think we'll ever see a guy like Giannis ever again. It's it's special, and it's not. He can shoot now. It's not like he's just going up and dunking on everybody. He, he doesn't do that. It, it does take more than a skill. You know, he's ap- for a guy six eleven. He's really athletic. It, it, you know, he's a shooter. He could handle the ball. I, I don't know why James Harden is going at this when you're big. Yeah, you're big guy, six foot eight. I can't believe they were out rebounded by the Knicks by 31. That's just sad. That is just absolutely. It's, it's, it's an absolute embarrassment. It's an absolute. They're so inconsistent. I mean, yeah. there's there's one game where they beat the Lakers and they lose to the Warriors on Christmas Day. They beat the Celtics in the in the yeah. in the, in the uh, Saturday night game. Then they lose to the Knicks. And they're just so they're so all over the place. They're the one team that you just cannot figure out in this mm-hmm. league because they live and die by the three. Yep. When you have a team, yes, it, this game has transitioned to a three point shooting game, but you also also have to have a little bit of post play. When you live and die by the three, you can become very very. Easy to figure out, and I just I don't see this the Harden team going anywhere. Getting to the finals because all right, maybe they could potentially beat the Lakers in a seven game series. But there's no way they could beat the Clippers because the way the Clippers defend the perimeter. Yeah, there's no way. And right now, if things hold like they are, you play the Jazz in the first round. Who's shutting down Donovan Mitchell? That's Robert Coventry. Covington, and, you mean? Yeah, Coven, yeah, yeah Covington. Yeah, Wait, he's what, six sevens? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll yeah, see. Good, we'll, luck, we'll, good, good, good luck, James. Yeah, yeah, good luck there. But we'll circle back to Giannis. We'll circle back to the Eastern Conference. And, I, I, you know, I, I was listening to Golik and Wingo driving up today, and they were saying, who is the biggest threat to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference? And they were trying to say the Miami Heat. And listen, I love the way – the Miami Heat are built the way Pat Riley's Knicks were built in the early 90s. And that was successful in the early 90s. But – the way the Heat play now, that kind of basketball is probably not going to work in the in the postseason because who? Yes, they're great defensively, but who is their second scorer outside of Jimmy Butler? 
And and Jimmy Butler, for how how great of a how, uh, he's a really good player, but he's not a top ten player in the NBA. So Jimmy Jimmy Butler it was a good really good signing. I mean, I, I like the way that he had played. Bam Adebayo's had a really good year. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, Jimmy Jimmy Butler's had a good year. I mean, they've 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 been the team that's probably given the Bucks the most trouble because they've beaten them twice and they've held Gian- Giannis's average twenty nine points a game against everybody else and twenty one points a game against the against the Bucks. So against the Heat, I mean, so. I, they've, they've given Giannis trouble, but I just don't see a second score on that team. And in the playoffs, I feel like that's going to hurt the Heat uh, down the road. I, I would say that the biggest threat to beat the uh, – and I've said it last week, the biggest threat to beat the Bucks in the playoffs is the Celtics because they have a player who is a potential superstar, and, and, and that is Jason Tatum. And even with Kemba out, he has been playing really, really well. And, and even in their losses, when Kemba's been out, they lost to the Rockets. And I don't love the Rockets, but they lost to the Rockets by one. That was a great game Saturday mm-hmm. night. And then they lost to, to the to, in, in one point in overtime. And they lost to the Lakers by one. So Tatum has been playing outstanding. That's why I think the Celtics are the team that could that could knock. They, they have the best chance to knock off the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. You look at the Pacers; they've struggled since Old Depot has struggled since he came back. The Sixers; they can't stay healthy, and Embiid and Simmons can't play well together. And the Raptors; yes, it's been a nice story in the regular season, but no Kawhi, and that's going to be a problem when they have to face the Bucks if they have to face the Bucks this year in the conference finals. So that is why my pick to be the to, to, for the team to be the biggest threat to the Bucks in the East is the Celtics. Yeah, I got the Celtics as well. Uh, Tatum's been unbe- unbelievable this year. I guess today too, this twenty second birthday, Jason Tatum. Oh wow! So, so same, he's born on the same day as you. Yeah, I same got, age. I yeah. gotta find out, see if I can find what time he was born. See, yeah, like, yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, older, yeah, yeah, younger yeah, though. But um, yeah. I think too, and you now being such you know a big UConn fan, Kemba always turns it on in March. We saw it in UConn, even when he was at the Hornets, it seems like he played his best ball in March and April. You know, I know the one time he was in the playoffs, he got swept, but. Again, didn't really have much, but he, you know, when he comes back, I think you, you know, you get that Kemble Walker that's near the end, and he always plays his best basketball towards the end. And I think the combination of that now the thing is they were not able. Can the Celtics stop uh, Giannis this year? They did not do that very well last year. That's the only thing I'm worried about. Can they slow down Giannis? I think they can because I think this team's gotten a lot better. You know, Hayward seems a you know, seems much better this year than he was last year coming off the injury. Brown's been good. Tatum's been great. Kemba's been good when he can stay healthy. Can they just shut down? Would they be able to slow down Giannis? That's a big question. I think they could, but it it, it would be tough because it was a five-game series, I believe, or they sweep them last year, the Bucks. It was four, five, five games five. because the Celtics won the first game. That's yeah. when I went oh, on that yeah. take. That's that, that's when I went on that take about Giannis after game one, he saying have, he wasn't a top five player in the he, game. Yeah, he must have heard you after that one. Yeah, he exactly. Heard, exactly. But, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, we'll see if they'll be able to slow him down. But I think the Celtics are definitely the biggest threat right now to the Bucks. Absolutely, absolutely. So we are going to talk some college basketball, and we are getting closer and closer to Selection Sunday. We are now less than two weeks away from Selection Sunday. Before we do our game in and out, we'll preview some of the games on the last week weekend of the regular season in college basketball. And we'll start tonight in the Big Ten as um, Michigan State heads down, heads up to State College to face Penn State. Michigan State, we saw last week, you really saw in that game against Maryland what Michigan State could be. They looked like the team we expected all year. Cassius Winston was great. Xavier Tillman was really good as well. And Penn State has really been struggling recently. I mean, they, they had that win against Rutgers a couple uh, – I think it was last week, but uh, they lost to Iowa – 
uh, a week, uh, uh, this weekend, and I think that Michigan State goes in there, and I think they win, and I think they continue to play well, to, and they win by double digits tonight. I got the Spartans over the Nittany Lions. Yeah, um, I got right now, I got the Spartans. Now, one of the big reasons why Penn State has not been playing well is one of their top scorers, Myron um, Jones, has been out with an illness. Saturday, he was a chance he was going to play. He did not end up playing. I haven't heard. I've been trying to look, but I haven't heard. I assume I think he's playing tonight, but I haven't. Um, not hundred percent. I have not found it that could confirm that he is or not. If he can play, I think Penn State knocks him off because he's been much better when he's on the floor with Lamar Stevens. Because when they're both paired together, they're a very good guard duo that nobody's really talked about. And this, you know, this Penn State's if they're held, if they get Jones back, this team could make a run in the tournament with their guard play because these guys can really score the basketball. Um, and you're right about Michigan State. That was that was the first time I think all year is what we saw their potential was. We had Because this was a Final Four contender at the beginning of the season. I know they lost Langford, um, which has been great. But that finally showed – it was finally the team that we we thought we'd see the whole year. And it finally came out Saturday night. Um one of the you know, and Rocket Watts, that you know, one of their top freshmen that came in this year, he's really starting to score the basketball. He's 16 the other night. He's starting to play a lot better. He's been able to help out has Winston at the guard position. And the last time they did not, or the last time Michigan State played Penn State, Penn State went on the road, beat them. Michigan State too. Only Cassie Winston was the only double digit scorer for the Spartans. And then Malik Hall, who was a freshman, he's only averaging four points a game. He's 12 for 12 in the field in their two biggest wins of the year against Maryland on Saturday and against Seton Hall. So he's another guy. He's kind of stepped up in a big spot, but can he be more consistent? Um, we'll find out. But I think the Spartans will get it done on the road tonight. Got a huge Big East matchup on uh, on on Wednesday night. Seton Hall trying to clinch the outright title in the Big East. They host Villanova at the Rock in Newark, and I think Seton Hall wins this game. I think they win it by double digits. I didn't like the way Villanova looked mm. on Saturday against Providence. They couldn't shoot – they couldn't put the ball in the ocean, and I really like the way that Seton Hall looked against uh, against Marquette. Uh, Marquette. Miles Powell, Quincy McKnight. They got a really good. Ba- they had a really good backcourt, and this team is the best team in the Big East. And for the first time in a long time, I could say Seton Hall could not not only get to a Final Four, but as a national championship contender. Yeah, I don't know the last time they've done that. Nineties, maybe. I think they got there in the eighties. I think they got the national championship. I think in the eighties. I believe so. 89 with uh, P.J. Carlissimo. They lost to Michigan in the 89 National Championship game. Yep, you are right. I could not. I knew someone right around there. But, um, yeah, this team is really good. Powell, um, that was fun to watch Saturday. Powell going up against Marcus Howard. That was a fun one. Um, You know, uh, but for Nova, 5 for 30 from the field. This is why, you know, I do not like teams that live and bite out of three. I don't like taking teams that do that because they were 5 for 30. And they're just too inconsistent, you know. And it's usually if Gillespie's on, the team's on. If Gillespie's off, the whole team's off. It, that's kind of the the thing. I'm. I, it kind of seems like that. Um, you know, Nova too. The first time they got out rebounded by 13 by the Pirates. They got to do much better job on the glass. Even though the Pirates, they're not really that great either on the glass. But they got to be much better. Um, Seeing Hall, their defense has got to be a little bit better. You know, I know Howard put up half of Marquette's points. You can't let Gillespie do that, even though I don't, I don't really see him doing that. But, yeah, I, I don't know the last time I've seen Hall 
uh, clinched the regular season title in the Bay East. So it's, it's been a while, but um, I really like Miles Powell and Quincy McKnight, that guard duo. They're really fun to watch. We got uh, we got a big game in the Big 12 as we got the number one team in the country, Kansas, heading to down, heading down to Lubbock to face Texas Tech, who gave Baylor a really good game last night on, on the road. They, they went to uh, Waco and it gave Baylor a really good game on the road. But I think for this game, I think Kansas is the best team in the country, and they're going to prove it, and they're going to win the Big 12 outright, finishing 15-1 and in the conference and finishing the regular season as the number one team in the country as they beat Texas Tech on Saturday. Yep. Um I do have the job, but I think Chris Beard and the Red Raiders keep this very close. I think they only won by three or four points. Um, thing I worry about is how healthy is Azubuki. He did go down against Kansas State. Does he play? Because they weren't great without him on the floor. You know, they that Kansas State team's not very good this year. They only have two Big 12 wins. If he's not healthy, I think Texas Tech knocks him off. But I, I assume he is going to play. I haven't heard much. I, you know. I do like this Texas team. I know they're not great. They lost a lot of pieces from last year. They had a chance to go on the road last night and beat Baylor. Um, but I just I think Kansas is a little bit too much for the Red Raiders on the road. Uh, yeah, Kansas gets a win on the road. We got Baylor, who's been struggling recently going to West Virginia, but West Virginia's been struggling as well, and that's why I'm taking Baylor in this one. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bears. I am really, really worried. They cannot – Stop the pick and roll on defense. And Kansas figured that out two weeks ago. Um, TCU was able to do it against them. Um, you know, Texas Tech didn't do a ton of it last night, but I feel like right now West Virginia is not playing very well. Their their problem is they just can't score. They they can still force some turnover. They they have to force turnover. They don't press this year, but they're still able to force turnovers in the half court. They have to do that because their half court offense is. It's awful right now. They have to get out and transition and run. They got to get some odd man rushes. That's how they they have to win this game. I don't think they'll be able to do it. Um, I don't know if Vital's going to play for the Bears. I know he was out last night, which maybe one of the causes why they didn't play as well. But I think the Bears are able to go on the road and get go out of Morgantown with a victory. We got another big Big East game. Seton Hall's in it again on Saturday as they go to Creighton. And I think Creighton is massively overrated. And that was proven when they lost at St. John's. You can disagree with me because I admittedly I did not watch I have not watched a lot of Creighton basketball this year at all. But Seton Hall, I think, wins this one again. I think I think they win both games this week against Nova and Creighton and finish thirteen and three with the number one seed in the Big East tournament. I think Creighton this is one of uh McDermott's best Creighton teams. I think they can you know, they average about or they sh- they shoot around 40% from the floor. They think it really shoot. The problem is they don't – they're not great defensively. And that's where I – they could make a run. They Or they definitely can make a run. But can they make enough stops? And I worry about this Creighton team. Um, they did not go off seeing Hall the first time, but it was a pretty good one. That was a shootout. I think it was 87-82. It was a shootout. Powell was only 3 for 16 from the floor. He struggled. Creighton that night, too, had four players that had – 18 points, so Creighton, these guys, they all, I don't, Creighton doesn't have one main score. They have five or six guys that can step up and score for you, and I, that's why I do like this Creighton team. And they also get to the free throw line. They've gone 100 more times than their opponent. I also, I love that stat. So they, you know, um, and they shoot it pretty well, too. They think they shoot around 78% from the line, something like that, 77%. So I think Creighton, I think Creighton knocks, I think Creighton goes on our, at home, especially if Seton Hall beats Nova, I think Creighton definitely 
sweeps the Pirates in, uh, on Saturday. We got the rivalry. I know North Carolina's terrible. We always have to talk about this game. North Carolina going to Cameron, and I don't think I think this will be a much different game than the one at Chapel Hill about a month ago. I think that Duke wins this big. I think they win it by at least 15. Duke got back on track last night beating NC State. North Carolina, I know Cole Anthony's an NBA prospect, but this is one of the worst North Carolina teams in years. Yeah, um, Duke should be a take-care of business. Both these teams can score, but can both teams make a stop? That's This is probably going to be a um, – yeah, it'll probably be like first time. North Carolina has got to hit some free throws. Though. They should have won that game. Yeah, you can't go twenty-one for thirty at the free throw line and expect to win basketball games. You, you can't. And um, the other thing is too, Duke in transition, man. You have you know, North Carolina was able to run with them the first time. I don't know if they'll be able to do it playing in Cameron indoors. I because you you have to because they. I don't know if you saw when they played Virginia Saturday night. That's the perfect way to beat Duke. Make them play in the half court. Do not let them run up and down the floor on you. Because if you get in a track meet, there is no way you're stopping Duke. Because it seems like every year in a three-on-two, they just have some guy that just runs up there and just Trey Jones just chucks him from half court, and they have a guy throwing it down. Seems like every every year. So can't get in a half court or can't get in a track meet with these guys. Um, it, yeah. And if Duke can shut down Cole Anthony, make somebody else beat you, then they should they should blow these guys out. Duke, though, they lost at Wake Forest. They lost at NC State. They have not been great on the road. I know it's at home, but, you know, they're you know, um, kind of been up and down the last couple weeks. They also lost at UVA on Saturday. Up and down so far, but I think they should be able to take care of business against, the, uh, against North Carolina. Big game in the Big Ten, Michigan heads to College Park to face Maryland. We know Maryland got beat bad last mm-hmm. week, but I think they absolutely rebound in this one against Michigan. I think they win this one by double digits. Yeah, Maryland's issue is they do they get off to a terrible, terrible start, and it hurt them against Michigan State. Almost bit them against Minnesota. Even the game before that, um, Ohio State you lost to. You didn't play well in Northwestern. I really was high on this team, Maryland team, a couple weeks ago. They're not playing well, and it's starting to – Concerned me right now. You're only up one game, two right now for the Big Time regular season title. You got to take care of business in Michigan. Xavier Sitson leads the country in assists. They've been really good when he's able to stay on the floor. They're coming off back to back losses against Wisconsin and Ohio State. I think the way Maryland's playing, it's it's concerning me right now. They go to Rutgers tonight. Um, but right at the moment, I don't like the way Maryland's playing. Maybe it's a wake up call the way they lost to Michigan State Saturday. But I'm going to take Michigan on the road. I don't like the way they're playing. I don't like the way the Terrapins are playing right at the moment. Last game before we get to in and out uh, we got Ohio State heading to Michigan State this week. And I think this is another game where Michigan State wins. And I think they win by double digits. I like the way the Spartans play Saturday night. I'm back on the Spartans bandwagon. I have them winning two games this week. Yeah, it's been tough to go on the road for any team to win in the Big Ten. I don't think Ohio State to be able to do that. Ohio State's. Um, Last three games, when it's um, Maryland, wins against Michigan. Uh, they, you know, kind of been up and down this Buckeyes team, but trying to find their way. I think senior day, Castle Winston's senior day. I think Michigan State's able to get done. I think they have a big week. Um, you know, they just need a couple guys to step up. Um, Washington had a huge game for Ohio State the other day. The Wesson brothers are good. Kyle Young. Another guy, he hasn't been fully healthy. 
Um, hopefully he can kind of get back because he's kind of he's a guy that averaged like six, seven, six, and five, something like that. Like he's you know, one of those type of guys that just you know, kind of does all does a little bit of everything. They kind of have him healthy, but I think the Spartans do enough to get the win at home. Time for the game in or out. We first week of it. Justin had two teams in the tournament, four out of the tournament. We picked six teams this week, uh, and, and Justin will decide based on what they've done this year if they are in or if they are out. We'll start with. We'll give Justin an easy one. We'll start with NC State, who lost big at Duke last night. They are eighteen and twelve overall, nine and ten in conference play, which is ninth. In the mm-hmm. ACC with a conference, Lenardi has only four teams in. This should be an easy one, in or out. They're out. And they won last night. They were in their net their net ranking, I think, is at 55, I believe. Four, you know, lost a bunch of quad three losses. I think they have four, three of them at home. They, you know, you're, you're out. It's been two up and down. They survived that at home Saturday in pit, which would have really knocked them off the bubble. But you can't be ninth in the ACC this year and look for an out-large bid. Cincinnati, uh, eighteen and ten overall, eleven and five in the AAC. In lost to Houston on Sunday, in or out right now. I got them first four out since that UConn game back in early February. They've not been themselves. They four. They have uh, three quad or um, I can. They have three losses so far in the quad threes, um, which does not help. Three last four games have gone to overtime. You lost at UCF at home. They're not playing their great basketball right now. They had an opportunity on the road at Houston Sunday. They did not play great. Houston had 23, 22 offensive rebounds against them. Not playing great basketball right now. And I, I like teams. I like to pick teams that are playing good basketball at this time. They're, they're not one of those teams right now. Let's be honest. They miss Mick Coronan. And we'll stay in the AAC mm-hmm. with uh, Wichita State, 22-7, and 10-6 in league play, in or out. I got them last four in at the moment. They with six AAC losses. Yes, I I got them. In, I know they're not playing their great basketball right now. They did go on the you know they, didn't they, they have that big lost. comeback against yeah. SMU on forty Sunday? to twelve run. Wow, wow. Yeah, they they if they lost that game they'd be out. Then that's at a forty five, but they're nine and seven still in quad one and quad two, which is still that's a pretty good record at the moment. You still have Memphis on the road, which would be still be a nice victory because that is a bubble team. And you finish that home against Tulsa, who's been a surprise. That's not even a bad. That's you know, I think that may. I think that's a quad two, maybe even quad three. I um depends where Tulsa's in the net ranking, but I think which are the last four in. I think if they get by this week, winning in the American, they're they'll they'll, they'll be fine. Stanford twenty and seven on the season, one four in a row, in or out. I gotta admit, I really do like the Stanford team. I don't know if it's the Pac twelve effect that nobody watched the Pac twelve games. But I've seen a couple of their games. They're they're playing well. They're on a four game winning streak. I they um they're starting to put better. They have they do have one bad loss at Cal. That's that's it. And they do have two shots this week at a quad one vic out of quad one wins at Oregon and then at Oregon State, which is even a quad one win at the moment. Um, they're seven and eight against the top two um, quad twos right at the moment. I think Stanford's in. And their net ranking's a 28. It's it's up there. And you usually don't see teams at a 28 net ranking on the bubble. You don't really see that. Um, but I'm going to go Stanford in right now. We'll, be, we'll go local. URI. Big game this week. Hosting Dayton tomorrow night. In or out for URI. 828 in overall. 12-4 and 4 in uh, A-10 play. 
I'm, I have them as the last team men. I think they're the last team men at the moment. You beat Dayton, and I think, you know, um, you're probably last four to the bye. Um, they do have a bad loss at Brown. They do have a nice win against Providence, which they blew out Providence, which is looking better and better every day for these guys. Because lately. Providence has been playing really Yo, well yeah, they're, lately. They're on fire. Um, if they can, you know, if that Brown loss really turn, you know, hurts at the moment. Even that loss at Davidson, they should have won. And Davidson's been really down this year. They were supposed to be one of the top, um, you know, schools in the 8-10 this year. You got Dan at home Wednesday night. If you can, you know. They steal that one. I feel really good about their chances. You lose, they lose Wednesday. You're probably gonna have to make a run in the eight ten title to to get in. Um, Net ranking's fifty one right at the moment, but uh, if they don't get in, be kind of cool to see. Uh, really, they UConn Rhode Island maybe oh, beat yeah. each other in the NIT. I'd like to see them play each other. That'll be that'll be a really fun game in the NIT if they play each other. Last team, Mississippi State, uh, nineteen and ten overall, ten and six in conference play, in or out. I got them at the next four out at the moment. Um, this week didn't really help much. They did go to Alabama, probably knock off Alabama off the bubble. You got Missouri this week and Ole Miss. Those two games will not help your resume. They're going to have to win a couple games in Nashville. They do. They have not beaten either this year a top 30 opponent so far. So, you know, they, have not, they don't have that on their belt either. I think they're next four out. They're going to have to make a run in the SEC tournament. To make a push here to get in the tournament. Funny, your in and out is very similar to Joe Lenardi outside of Cincinnati and Rhode Island. It's pretty much the same, but Cincinnati and Rhode Island are switched. Lenardi has Cincinnati in and Rhode Island out. You have uh, Rhode Island in and Cincinnati out. Oh, okay, I didn't even did not know that. I didn't look at Lenardi's uh, thing yesterday, but I was I was reading something about. But um, yeah, um, kind of you know, interesting. I guess I, I hopefully I'm right. You know? Yeah, yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Think saying the way they are right now. And we'll be, we'll be spending a lot of time talking college basketball in the coming weeks, obviously, with March Madison. Mm-hmm. Who better to have with to, to start this show with, with uh, Clovercrest and have Justin here? What a better start it's going to be with March Madness than having Justin with us to be talking about March Madness. So we'll definitely be we're getting really, really deep into March Madness uh, in, in the next couple weeks. Can't wait. The conference tournament starts today. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think the real conference tournaments, in my These opinion. Are the all best right, ones. all right, all right. The real conference tournaments begin. These next are the week. best ones. Oh, you gotta stop, watch it. stop. Because they're please. all one bit leagues. Oh, come on. They're all one big league. Yeah, yeah, you got to yeah, watch yeah, it. Yeah, a team that goes one and out. The, yeah, a team that wins one game max in the NCAA tournament. Come on. Hey, this, this year could be really chaotic. All right, yeah, you, you got a point. Because, College basketball is not top heavy at all, so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. You know, I'll, I'll, I will give you that. So we're gonna wrap up the show talking about the XFL, and, and let me just go on a rant a little about the XFL. Here, this league will not. They may survive after this year. This league will absolutely not survive after next year because the quarterback play in this league is absolutely pathetic. It can't even be more pathetic. I mean, let's be honest. The be, the game I was looking forward to see uh, Houston and uh, Dallas because yeah. you think these are two of the top teams in the XFL. If that's the best game. That's the best your product could put out. That is pathetic. I mean, that is absolutely pathetic. I mean, the fact that Landry Jones throws three interceptions in the first in the first quarter, and they only lose by seven points, shows you that this league, the talent in this league, is going to be. And, and we all, all knew this was going to happen. This was going to be the demise of this league, the, the talent level in this league. It, it's just you know, it, it's it's starting to get more and more unwatchable as, as the coming weeks go. And, and I, I just don't think it may survive this year because of the TV deals with Fox and ESPN. But there is no way this league is going to survive after this year. And, and let's be honest, this is going to be my last week watching the XFL 
for a very for for the next month because obviously once March Madness starts, I am not. I may I might channel surf and turn on the XFL, but I'm not turning it on again because the quarterback in this league. And I know it's not the league's fault. It's tough to get co- good quarterback play. I get it, but the quarterback in this le- play in this league is absolutely pathetic. It is pathetic. It's unwatchable. I mean, the game the other night, uh, Tampa Bay against Washington was a, was completely unwatchable. That game was 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 so unwatchable. It was it was it was absolutely it was absolutely a terrible game to watch. I mean, and and, and I, I'm just I, I'm getting tired of the la- the poor quarterback play in this league. I'm just I'm just I'm just sick and tired of it. And that's why I think the XFL has no future. Not it might have a future after this year, but it has no future after 2021 at all. Yeah, uh, I my excuse for the league a couple weeks ago was damn, you, you gotta give these guys a couple weeks for preseason. But you're four weeks in and does not seem to be much improvement and at all at the at the play. Yeah, they they could be in trouble. I did hear this a couple weeks ago that that you know the XFL may try to talk or may try to take you know some college guys that you know to go up play the XFL may you know that there may be something that goes on there. If something happens there, maybe it helps out because you maybe get some draft ready guys that don't want to play in college and get paid. I think that may say that may help out the XFL, but. You know, as a huge college football fan, I don't want that to happen, so I'm kind of hoping that doesn't. But it could be something that could be a very interesting topic to um, to see what happens there because that could really help the XFL out if that does, you know, if they're able to do that. I just think the quarterback play is yeah, it's been going to be, gonna be it, the biggest. P.J. Walker has really been the only yeah, guy. Yeah, uh, the guy from Ole Miss has been decent too. Uh, Tamu, yeah, he's, he's been he's been okay. I mean, for this yeah, league, he's he, probably been he's been okay. And Josh Johnson has played decent at times, but mm-hmm, really outside of that, the quarterback play has been absolutely miserable yeah. in this league. And we start with the first game. We'll go. We'll quickly go through the slate of games this week. We got the. Seattle Dragons facing one and three could potentially be the worst team in the XFL facing the Houston Roughnecks at four and zero who have probably the who definitely have the MVP of the XFL on their team in PJ Walker and I think th- this game is a complete blowout I think Houston wins it by a couple scores yes BJ Daniels gave this team a, uh, a little bit of a little bit of a boost last week but there's a reason BJ Daniels wasn't playing Brandon Silvers was starting in front of BJ Daniels and Brandon Silvers was absolutely terrible so I am going with Houston by two scores. Yeah, I'm going Houston big. Um, yeah, 28 to 17. Um, they forced for Houston defense forced four turnovers last week against Dallas. I was really looking forward to that game. I thought it would be a great game, and I was you know disappointed about you know how ugly it would been. But Houston four straight weeks they've put up 27 points or more. So uh, the offense is really rolling. Pretty much the only one so far to keep it going. Um, thing about Seattle is they they you know. They've been put it up. They've been hanging around in games. They just, you know, it just they just have poor quarterback. Yeah. Like two pretty good receivers in Austin Prohl and Keenan Reynolds, but just the quarterback play is absolutely pathetic yeah. on that team. It, it has, and it, it's 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 hurt them probably from a couple losses, having a couple wins, and yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna go with Houston to get the win. Go five and zero. We have a matchup of two two and two teams down in Dallas this week as the New York Guardians head down to Dallas to face the Dallas Renegades. And Landry Jones is going to be out for a couple weeks, but does that really matter at the end of the day? Because Landry Jones was absolutely terrible mm-hmm. to start the game on uh, Sunday. And Dallas will play their backup quarterback. Luis Perez gave the Guardians a little bit of a spark at home, but the Guardians have just been absolutely horrible on the road. And I think that continues. And I think they lose to Dallas by. I think it's, I think it's a one-score game, but I think they lose to Dallas this week. Yeah, I have Dallas win this one. Like 
you know, very low scoring, very ugly. Like Dallas's probably first week, and even New York's first couple of weeks. I'm surprised New York got it done, but they got a win. But um, probably better than McGloin the other day, and somehow New York got a win, and Dallas, you know, uh, we'll see how they do. Because the first time late week one, they um, when Landry was out, they offense wasn't great, but we'll find out. They're a little bit better. I, you know, I'll take Dallas a win, but this should be an ugly one. We got on Sunday. We got a matchup. We got a matchup with probably the two best teams in the Eastern Division of the XFL. But you know, tough to say that the way DC has played yeah. the last two weeks. We got St. Louis at DC, and DC, who got off to the great start in this league, has been absolutely yeah. terrible the last two weeks, being outscored sixty-four to nine to the Vipers and the LA Wildcats. And and those they're not like those were good teams. Yeah. They gave those teams their first wins of the season. And Cardell Jones is after a really good start has been absolutely terrible the last two weeks. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions. He's been absolutely pathetic. And you're seeing why he's not in the NFL because he's been he's been he's been absolutely horrible with this roster with Eli Rogers, with Rashard Ross. They got even some NFL guys on defense, Raheem Moore, Matt Elam. You would think this DC team would be a little bit competitive. I think coaching is an issue there with Pep Hamilton. I don't think Pep Hamilton should be a head coach at any level in professional football. I think he's 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 awful. And there's obviously a reason why – I think he's, there's a reason why Andrew Luck is out of the NFL because he was not a good offensive coordinator for the Colts either. And I think and I think for this game, I think St. Louis are the better coach team, and I think they prove why they're the best team in the Eastern Division and could very easily be representing the Eastern Division or, and playing Houston in the XFL championship game. And they beat D.C. by one score this week in D.C. Yeah, I got St. Louis. I love the way they've just been able to run the football. With Matt Jones, with Kristen yeah. Michael, yep. Yeah, they've been great. And Tom was – and, you know, two best quarterbacks are – you know, and what, two best and, and, all right, and what are those two quarterbacks? Mobile quarterbacks, okay? Mobile quarterbacks. Why is Landry Jones and Matt McGloin, they can't stay healthy and they struggle in this league? Because they're not mobile. That's the way football is going in that direction. Oh, I, I see your point. I still think that it's important to have those, those guys. Like a Jake Fry coming up in the draft. I think they're still important, guys. I think they're still – I know that – the offenses and all that are turning into okay. Let's you know let the quarter you know you don't want to you know go out run outside and just you know the Lamar Jackson of the world. But I still think it's important that these pocket passers that you, that you have. Um, but you know for DC, Cardell Jones doesn't even have two hundred yard passing the last two weeks, which is pretty brutal. Um, this DC team that I thought was going to be pretty good it, last two weeks have. Changed my mind. I don't know how you could shut out to the Vipers. I know the Vipers have been getting better. I I, I just don't know. It's been a horrible couple of weeks for the defenders. Yes, absolutely pathetic. Last game, the Tampa Bay Vipers go to the L.A. Wildcats, and the Vipers got their win last week. L.A.'s played well at home. I got L.A. winning this one by two scores. Yeah, I got L.A. winning. Um, they did not play well the other day. Um, I know they lost um, Nelson – their top wide receiver and their running back, um, Marcus Carter. I know he's a backup. So I know they lost a couple of pieces last week on the road, which probably didn't help. Um, you know, the same team came out of nowhere last week. It was able to get the win. Um, but yeah, and worse, and the loser of the team, too, will own the worst record in the XFL, too. So um, the bottom bowl, I guess we will call this game. But I'll get LA at home. Yeah, I mean, big, big motivation for, for someone to win this game. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R and J. For my co-host Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking about franchise, the franchise tags in the NFL. 
We'll be talk. We'll be obviously be getting into the conference tournaments of, of March Madness, and we'll be talking. We'll be recapping the week in the NBA. It's a big week in the NBA with uh, Giannis and LeBron going against each other, and LeBron going against the Clippers. So we hope you listen on all the flat platforms we're on: Google and Spotify. We're happy to be joined. We're happy. Joe has been able to bring us on to Clovercrest Media Group. We're very happy, as we said earlier in the show. We hope you listen on all the different platforms, and we hope you have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to Sports Talk with R&J with your hosts, Steve Risser and Justin D'Onofrio.